Welcome to the Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from other high-quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alex from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co-hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts. Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from quality podcast content. And today, now, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, we had the Queen City Chronicles Stop 7. And we got a couple guests on tonight from that stop that are going to talk about what they did and why they weren't good enough to actually win, <laughs> even though they came close. We're going to dive into, into why they, they could have won but didn't. And, you know, it's going to be a good time. Just like with our Queen City Chronicles, we're, we're, we're highlighting anglers from Queen City Kite Bass Fishing out of the Charlotte area, but they aren't just Charlotte. They're North Carolina, South Carolina. To my knowledge, the biggest grassroots local club by tournament participation in the country. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. But they average about 120 folks. So if you hadn't listened to this podcast before on the Queen City Chronicles side, we're going to have a good time with it. We're going to get some tournament information from the locals here. And, you know, who knows? It's Bass and Brews. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't. So our guest tonight, we got Taylor and we got Tim. Fellas, how y'all doing? Doing good. Good. Great. You know what? I it, Just from us talking the last few minutes in, in the green room in the back before we started, I asked y'all that question and we get single word answers. I'm a little disappointed just because this little red button up here says live. Don't mean y'all got this. You got to turn. You don't have to get nervous and quiet now. So how are we doing tonight, fellas? Well, I'm not working, so I'm great. Yeah, I just got back from walking the dog. I'm relaxing. It's good. I can tell because Tim, when he sat down, he got logged on and he was wiping the sweat off his face with a towel. So it's I mean, hot he out was there. Exercise. Look, it's North Carolina. It's hotter than hell outside. And I'm in my garage, too, y'all. I'm in my garage. It's North Carolina. It's hot as hell. I got fans blowing. I ain't got no air conditioner. I'm a little bit overweight. I'm sweaty. But, you know, that's what keeps that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going. It's, this is this is the exercise I get being on the podcast, if you can believe that or not. Yeah. I can believe it. <laughs> All right. So, stop seven, right? Am I right on that? This was the stop seven, right? Where yeah, did I had we to fish? Check. I went to Lake Wiley, South Point Access. Yeah, and I was at Lake Wiley also. I went to the uh, the uh, the bridge access, Buster Boyd. So Lake Wiley, back in the early two thousands and nineties, Lake Wiley was a was a pro lake, like had some some good fish in it. And then over the last you know twenty years, we're talking about now. The, the lake has been a, a, a struggle, and you hear people say, oh, there's still some big fish out there, but when you look at the tournament standings, the, you don't quite see it in the tournament standings. Mm-hmm. Are y'all familiar? All right, so, Taylor, let's start with you, buddy. Are you familiar yes, with this lake? Are you familiar with it? Did you have a good plan going on? Did you get, did you get to pre-fish at all? Well, I definitely didn't get to pre-fish, and I'm actually – pretty against pre-fishing personally but that could just be my inexperience because you know you i I do follow 
uh, Brandon Palinick, that's that's my man on the pro level for both. So as far as pre-fishing goes, I see the importance of it. But then again, like 90% of the time you see, oh, I caught a eight-pound bass in my pre-fish, and then they do terrible in the tournament. So for one, I have an hour and a half drive, so it's definitely not a pre-fishing tournament for me, full-time job. I didn't even know where I was going to fish because as soon as Vinny said the Catawba chain, like – I, there was no light bulb that went off at all other than Norman. And uh, that was obviously not an option for this one, so I was pretty much screwed. So, you know, I'm looking at Mountain Island. I'm looking at Lookout Shoals, Road Hiss, like the ones that are basically closest to me as far as driving goes. Um, and then everything that I planned on doing the week prior, Vinny in his live to the Queen City basically said, like, yeah, don't go to here, don't go here, don't go here in a roundabout way, he narrowed it down for us. So we had the best chance. So it was narrowed down to Lake James for the potential for a big fish. Lake Wiley was kind of my own research, looking at which one was the closest to the Catawba river section that had the biggest bass total guess. Vinny said it was probably a bad guess on my part, but that's why I went to, that's why I went to uh, Lake Wiley. And there was a North Carolina section, a small North Carolina section, and I don't have a South Carolina fishing license. So I was pretty much narrowed down to two accesses. So next thing. Hold up. Time out. Time out. Time out. I got two things. One, (laughs) it's a Catawba chain. So it's a multi-lake event. Can y'all tell us what, so the Catawba, the Catawba is a river and, and kind of that uh, mid to midwestern part of North Carolina. What lakes were yeah. available for you to fish in this Catawba region? Yeah. So we had James, Hickory, Road Hiss, Lookout Shoals, Mountain Skipped Island. Over Norman, Mountain Island, um, Wiley. I don't remember Watery. if Fishing Creek. Watery was on there. I don't remember if Fishing Creek was on there. And then he added the Catawba River as well, the section okay. below nice. Wiley, I think. All right. Cool, we got that out of the way. That's Catawba chain. Taylor, how the hell did you just not go spend your $15, $20 to get you a South Carolina license for a few days? I mean, I mean well, are, are, you uh, it was, are you that cheap, sir? <laughs> well, here's the thing. It was Friday night at like 9 p.m. when I was talking to Vinny about South Point access to begin with. So I was looking at Mountain Island, Lookout Shoals, Road Hiss. All those are North Carolina, so not a doubt in my mind that I was fishing North Carolina. I thought Wiley was all South Carolina. So the fact that it had a small section of North Carolina and it was the closest to my house from the other lakes that I was looking at, it just kind of seemed like a win-win. I mean, it was still an hour and a half, but that was close for me because I could wake up early at, you know, 3.30 and roll with it. Okay. So we didn't do any pre-fishing long way away. You picked the one section of Wiley that was in North Carolina because you're too cheap to go buy a South Carolina license. All right, That's about start. right. <laughs> and, and, and you finished seventh in the tournament, correct? That is correct, yeah. All I right. beat him with a paddle. There we go. Tim. What's your story, man? What what, what oh. took you to Wiley versus the other ones? So I have a, a, a similar story. So we, um, I wasn't supposed to fish this tournament at all because my family, uh, every two years, my extended family, or not extended, my immediate family, brothers, um, there's like almost 30 of us when we all get together. We get a house out at uh, Myrtle Beach, and uh, Saturday was the day we were supposed to go. My wife and I were signed up for dinner the first night. So I wasn't even going to fish. And then we kind of came up with a plan on how my wife could manage dinner without me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fish, but I'm going to fish the 
absolute closest access point to my house, which pretty much Buster Boyd was it's just under 30 minutes from my house. So that was the one. And uh, I was lucky enough. I did get to pre-fish the week before. I went to a different ramp uh, the week before and learned what I didn't want to do and decided to do something completely different. And it worked out. So. Wiley's 30 minutes from your house. Are you familiar with that lake? Do you have some spots there? I mean, is that your home lake? Or are you closer to like Norman? I guess you are. You said you're in North Charlotte. So maybe Norman's your home. I lake. mean, so I can get to places on Mountain Island and, and Wiley quicker than I can get to Nor Norman. It's probably more like 45 minutes for me. I like okay. fishing Norman better just because I, I seem to do a little better. Um, but um, my, my teammate for the Queen City uh, tournament is Landon Smith, who you've had on a few times. Mm -hmm. And um, I've gone out fishing with him on Wiley, and I've seen him catch 20, 21, 22-inch largemouth down there. So I know they're a big fish, and I know they're catchable, um, but it's hit and miss. So I've never personally done that well down there, but I knew I could if, if I got lucky and it worked out. So. And the most important part about this was it was closest to your house while your wife cooked for 30-plus people by herself right. while you were out walking <laughs> around fishing off of a kayak. Yes. I, I, I must say I, I hit the jackpot with my wife because she let me uh, let me go fishing instead of going to the beach. So hey, but if, he brought, if he brought home the money, though, she would have been real happy about it because he paid for all the food. Well, yeah, I, I went up with yeah, so after coming in second, I, I uh, my family found out, and I had to buy drinks the first night. So that's a good family; they understand what winning money is like. Because when that's you right. win money, you're in charge of you know buying a few rounds of drinks. I like that. I like. Right. That. Yeah, my wife was in my wife was in Tennessee, so the uh, two hundred fifty I got got came to PayPal, went into the account, immediately got spent by my wife. So it was good, <laughs> good times. <laughs> Hey, I get it. My, I, my my tournament wings a couple of weeks ago went straight to the bank account that went straight to my little Cabela's card that I buy all my fishing stuff with and pay for all my tournament entries with. And it's paying this on the 13th of this month. So, yeah, that's how there it you goes. Go. All right. <clears throat> Taylor. Yes. You drive down Saturday morning. Have you ever been to this location before? Never. So you head down to South Point on Lake Wiley in the North Carolina side because you didn't want to buy a fish South Carolina license. And you hop in a place you've never been to. Did you do any map study or you just went down there and be like, you know what, this is where the fish should be. <clears throat> There's places where they should be, should be, and I'm just going to go out there and see if I can wreck them. So if you go on Google and look at anything having to do with bass on the Catawba River chain, I've probably read it all. And so that was <laughs> that was pretty much all Friday night. So I slept an hour Friday night because obviously this was a last minute change and I started to figure out what I was going to fish and I never set up my rods ahead of time, but I knew that if I didn't driving an hour and a half and showing up at 5:30 AM and first cast at six, if I wasn't ready, I would be screwed. So for the first time I took initiative, you know, I was sitting at this table right here, I had the whole table full of hard bait, soft base, hooks, lines, everything. I was learning new fishing knots so I could tie on leaders. First time I've ever tied on leaders <laughs> in my entire fishing career, period. And, uh, you know, using a little bit lighter test on my leaders, just assuming that the fish would be a little bit more pressured and not wanting to bite in the heat. And uh, then uh, I studied and I drank two or three and finally went to sleep around three, woke up at – 
four and or maybe i went to sleep at like 245 woke up at 330 something along those lines took a shower grabbed a celsius and hit the road and uh rolled up at 530 and i saw i cannot remember his name the owner of gas house custom rods yeah, uh can't Vinny, he sponsored he sponsored that tournament i believe okay. i cannot remember his name but he i rolled up and he was there and, you know, I'm like, do I just pull up and put my boat in and go? There's all these guys with $3,000 setups, like pedal drives, boat trailers, and I'm pulling mine out of the back of a truck and hauling it with one hand down to the water. Just so it's like, down the boat ramp. Literally, literally after I got everything in, I was like, dang, like, how am I going to get this in the water? And I just push it down and there's this <laughs> scrape down the concrete. So, uh, yeah, definitely new territory for me, for sure. What are you fishing out of? So it's an Emotion Angler 10, um, basically a $300 Academy kayak that I got back when I was in college at ECU. Um, just a paddle, just a sit on top with like the, the built-in foot pedals. Um, I did install a uh, Garm Striker 4 on it to help with depths a little bit. doesn't really give you much help on fish because it's basic, but knowing if you're in three foot of water or 30 foot of water definitely helps. Did you so, – did you – go out to fish the stuff and, it, and i'm going to answer part of my question here and i want to tell you the answer so did you go out to areas where you thought the fish were going to be and fish techniques that you thought would work or did you find areas you thought the fish were going to be and fish techniques that you like but it sounds so, like you you went out to an area you thought the fish were going to be and you fished some shit that you thought they'd be biting because you said you were tying leaders the night before and you'd never tied them before so yes and no. I tied leaders because I use I've always used mono. I'm just recently getting more in fluorocarbon and I I like it a lot for strength. And so that was relatively new. But I showed up to the South Point Access, put my kayak in. It was 559, first cast at six or first cast 630, I can't remember. And I started casting. I didn't go anywhere. I was to the <laughs> left of the ramp. There was people behind me putting in and I'm fishing. Like, I'm just getting started. Didn't get any bites. And I was like, okay, maybe I should get away from the ramp. And I, I went right directly to the right of the ramp. Like, I could throw a rock and hit the ramp. And I caught my first spot. Mm. So it was like, I did not go far at all. And I stayed right there for like an hour. Caught, you know, caught two, put one in trying to get small bass and put one in at like a 14.5, something like that. Real basic. Using the old, the old Popeye style pond topwater yeah. fishing baits. Well, look, I heard look, whopper look. ploppers from my right, from my left, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you could hear. That's look, that's all you could hear, and I was like, I ain't throwing that no more. You you submit the fourteen inch fish for small fish was wasted time because no 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 I caught a ten inch spot. I did catch but, a ten. But no, even at Queen City, a ten inch fish is not oh, going to be little. Now fish. I you know got, because people be are throwing their pinky six, in there. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. yeah no, I see it now. That are having the they can't. It don't even hit the bump on it. I mean, you know, <laughs> this is one of the things I love about Queen City. And so, you know, uh, hand, hand, hand. I call we call him on Bass and Bruce calling hand job adventures. But Dustin, oh hand, hands on adventures. You know, he says for two years he got his tournament fees paid for and made money off of small fish. And then we had Matt on, who also has won small fish two times, two times in a row. So you know, the small fishing no, city a, is a good way to make some money. Tim, man, I Tim, have so, noticed. <laughs> yeah, Tim, what what was what what were you going in to do? You you obviously went pre fishing. You had our, you had an idea where not to go, what not to do. 
but yeah. were you were you prepared to just go fish what you like to fish in areas you thought they were going to be or were you just going to go out there and and beat some beat some water and see what happens yeah so for me because it was i kind of saw it as a, a freebie right i wasn't supposed to fish the tournament you know so i i kind of was relaxed going in didn't feel a lot of pressure um i was hoping to to do well so i you know stay stay decent in the in the year-long standings but i wanted to also try some new water because you know the if i do make the toc the end of the year we're we're fishing on wiley and the ramp i normally go to which is um now it's slipping my mind. It's going to be closed at the end of the year. Ebenezer, isn't it? Yeah, Ebenezer. So I normally go there. I love Ebenezer, but it's going to be closed. So I'm like, you know, I need to learn some new water. So I went somewhere I've never been. I went north from the ramp instead of south. I think I was at launch. There were eight guys, actually guys and gals at the ramp. All of them went south. I went north. Mm. Um, and I decided I was going to pedal as far as I could. And at, so after 30 minutes, wherever I was, I was going to start fishing and work my way back. And, uh, it was one of those things where I got, you know, stopped at 30 minutes and I was still kind of messing around, getting my stuff ready. I threw my bait out there and I wasn't even paying attention and it hit. I thought for sure I was going to lose it because I wasn't paying attention. It stayed on there and it was a 19 incher and it was, that was my biggest of the day, five minutes in. And I'm like, you know what? It's one of those days I got a good start and, uh, it went from there. So. And what are you fishing out of? So I've got a, a Hobie, um, the PA-14. Um, I started in a, uh, I still actually have my my Slayer Max that I keep. So I have a, a place up in uh, Wilkesboro on Kerscott, keep my, my Slayer Max up there. And then I use my Hobie for tournaments. So. My man, Crib. See, Alex? Alex, my guest co-host, who's not here for this because he's a pansy and has to work and wake up early in the morning. And so does Tim. And Tim's here, but Alex isn't here. But anyway... Um, you know, Alex, Alex is, is an old town guy, but it's because he's short and, you know, he's scared that he can't reach the pedals in a Hobie. And, uh, you know, he's also, well, I, he's got little legs and he's scared that the, the, being anyway, it's just, a, it's just a terrible thing, Alex. I, I, I do. I think the, uh, you know, the stability in the Hobie, my Slayer was great. The Hobie though, I, I feel like sometimes it's almost unthinkable unless you get a hole in it, but. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen. That does happen. We'll be real with Hobie. Yeah. They do get some holes in the newer models. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a fat. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of large. I've gained about forty pounds over the last year and a half. And you know the stability on my Hobie hasn't done anything. I can still reach my hand over the side to wash off, you know, my my um my fish stink and all that good stuff. And I don't have to worry about flipping over. Especially I fish a lot mm -hmm. of offshore stuff too. Oh, yeah. So when you get a lot of the wake boats and shit like that. I'm a little less worried about it. All right, yeah. so you went down, went north, 30 minutes, first fish, 19-incher. Sounds like you're fishing shallow. Yeah, so I, I started um, in a, in a, back in a, a cove um, and kind of threw it toward the shore, between the shore and a, and a dock. It was what probably about through a whopper plopper. And uh, it was probably, I think where I threw it, it was probably one to two feet deep. When the fish bit, it was probably three foot of water. Um, got my second fish in a similar, near a similar dock situation, you know, about 15 minutes later. Um, and that kind of, I will say this is probably the first tournament I ever will say I, I found a pattern that worked almost all day. Mm. So pretty much everything I caught was docks in, you know, probably less than 10 feet of water. 
So wow, that's crazy. And and I'm a so top water bite early. Did you go into like a wacky rig or a jig or something after that? So I did. So I, the bite died, and then I went about two hours, wasn't catching anything. And this is, you know, again, it's one of those things where it just kind of the day worked out. So I, like I mentioned earlier, Landon Smith is is my teammate, and uh, everybody knows Landon throws a wacky rig all day. He just kills them. And I've seen him catch giant fish on Wiley. So I'm throwing a wacky rig and I'm not catching anything. So I thought to myself, you know, Landon's always telling me, trust your gut, trust your gut. And something told me to put on a on shaky head. So I switched to a shaky head and caught two, actually three fish in about another 30 minutes. Hmm. And uh, just threw a shaky head the rest of the day and, and kept calling up. So it worked out. Were you catching largies or catching spots? Mostly spots. I caught um, one real nice 18 and a half uh, large mouth, but the rest were pretty much spots. How about you, Taylor? Were you on a spot bite, large mouth bite? So <clears throat> my first uh, fish early on was also topwater on that popper. And I kept it going because we got some rain. I don't know if it was raining where you were, Tim, but I got rain and cloud cover all the way up until like 12. So I kept the topwater on as long as I could. And I caught... I caught five fish, but only three of them would, 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 uh, actually go in. And my large mouth that I caught right after the first spot was easily six or seven pounds, but large mouth aren't quite as long as spots. So that was a 20 and a half, 20 and three quarter. Mm. And I caught one more spot after that. So I had two spots and one large mouth. Um, and then I went just like Tim. I mean, I went through a, a big drought for the majority of the day after like 10 o'clock, I didn't catch nothing. And uh, I, I finally picked up a, a jig later on and started flipping a few docks and try, just practicing my skips under the docks because it's something I need to practice. And I hooked, uh, I think it was a 19-incher. And, and Vinny said if, if I would have had that 19-incher, I would have been in the top three. But he, he flipped off underneath the dock. I kept pitching the same post for like 30 minutes and finally caught another one that was like 14 and a half, but it was enough to get my fourth fish. And that's, that was the end for me. So three total spots on the day, one big largemouth. And, and so, folks, again, if first time listening, Queen City runs off of a four fish, not a three or five fish limit. It's a four fish limit. So these guys are fishing for four big bites is what they're going off of. When when was your last fish then, Taylor? <laughs> I think my last fish was like – what was our – was last cast at 2, Tim, or 2.30? 2. So if last cast was at two, it was probably one thirty. Oh wow, cutting it short. Yeah, yeah. But see, so here's the thing, and this also, I know we're not talking about Fontana now, but was that's the last uh, one I did for the Western Division um, this past weekend. But uh, I have only a paddle, so like getting from point A to point B, if I do find a pattern, is really difficult because like at Fontana, I was at the back of a creek, caught my smallmouth, went to another back of a creek, caught my spot. Went to another back of the creek, caught my largemouth, but my last fish was at, you know, 15 minutes until the end because I had just got to the creek. So, like, I can find a pattern and stick with it. It takes me so long to get to another spot that I've just got to, like, outfish other guys to the best of my ability. And my back is ripped from just paddling all freaking day. Not only so, that, when the OAS gets back to the ramp at the end of the day, you're lucky, you're glad that you have a, 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 a cheaper, you know, kayak that is easy to haul back and throw in the boat because oh uh, dude i'm suitcasing that thing yeah dude i'm suitcasing that thing to the back of the truck throwing it in it no right straps through the concrete you know the hill with you, a hill 
I don't need Dude. I don't need that. I will bondo that kill if I put a hole in it. We ain't worried about it. Don't talk to me today. about that, dude. I've got a freaking wine cork plugging my <laughs> kayak right now. <laughs> there was just a little bit of water around the transducer at the end of the day, but not enough to break through the duck seal. So it, it worked out well. <laughs> when was your last fish, Tim? You went on a long drought. Yeah, so uh, I caught him in 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 I guess bunches. So there were I went that two hour drought after the first couple, then caught like three real quick, then went, I think I went until, so the, the, the middle group was around probably nine o'clock. And then I went till about 1130 before I caught a couple, another big ones so between 1130 and 1245. I caught probably the, the two biggest culls I had. Um, and then I think I got my last fish around quarter after one, but. Okay. So got me um, close again. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, you know, you've, you've seen these lakes, especially in the summer, um, you know, where I was on the lake, it, it's not real wide. And so there's tons of boat traffic and it starts getting really, really, uh, hairy out there. Um, you know, if you're in a small paddle kayak, you might not be so, uh, so happy out there, but, uh, yeah, so it, it, it started to get difficult to fish the spots I wanted to fish. Cause most of the stuff I wanted to do was, was main lake um not back in coves and it just gets real hard to, to fish those spots so so um, main lake were you still fishing shallow on the main lake or were you trying to get out on some structure no no i was i was definitely staying staying toward the shore uh like i said i was basically found everything on docks hmm. um other than the morning bite everything else was pretty much main lake docks or, or docks near the front of a cove um i went back into a couple coves and it seemed to be a waste of time you know i think those when I hit my droughts was when I was messing around in the back of coves and shouldn't have been. So, and you finished second, right? How many inches were y'all first? I think I was about five inches off. So it'd have been, it'd have been a tough haul to get there. Um, I think I had 72 and the winter had 77. So what could you, but, have uh, done, what could you have done to been first instead of first loser? <laughs> and, wow. So my, my wife was in the Navy and she talks that term all the time. I don't know where you learned that first loser, but that's her favorite thing to say. Well, I, grew yeah, up, so, I grew up in sports. And so, you know, I was very, very, still very competitive. And, you know, it's a second place finish is something to go home and be proud about. But you also sit back, you know, like, man, fuck it. you know, I was still, I still, I still yep. didn't win. And I was in a yep. position to win, but I wasn't good enough to win. And that pisses me right. off more than anything. Yeah, it's true. You know, uh, I think, you know, this is my third season in and my first season, I would, my, my goal was to, to, to not skunk. Right. And then my second season, <laughs> my, my goal was to, to get a limit. And, you know, now it, it's, it's like the better you get, the, the, the more you feel like you need to be better. So it's like you catch four fish and you're like, well, yeah, but I have a limit, but I want a bigger limit. So you always, you know, it's kind of like say, you know, finishing second, it's still not first. Um, and I think for me, you know, what I learned is, is what I tend to do when I'm uh, fishing a tournament and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm pressured. I'm trying to catch up to people in the lead and uh, I start changing my, my baits. I start throwing different things, doing stuff I'm not comfortable with, trying to figure out what I'm doing. I think the difference in this tournament was I, I was more relaxed because I caught that 19 right away. And I was just able to just mm -hmm. do one technique and just do that one technique and, and stick to it. And I think if I had not, spent time running to the back of, you know, coves and stuff, I probably would have had a chance to get another big one and maybe move up. But, uh, you know, but you learn. 
Hey, but you know, you also could have run back to one of those back of those creeks or and caught a 22 incher. I mean, sure. you know, you can't with fishing, you can't buy, well, you know, I should have done this. I could have done this. I could have done that, but you never know. You might've made that run and done something that has worked for somebody else in the past. And you're like, let me go try it and called it. You didn't, but Hey, you still got second. I mean, that's what it is. Yep. Tim, what you said, this is your third fear third year fishing queen city yep. is that how long you've been in a kayak what you what got you started into the kayak game oh, how did you so get into a, queen city that's a great story so um you know back back in uh the covid times as i like to say you know it was 2020 um like everybody else we we got a, a dog got a puppy and uh y'all went y'all went all out covid we got a dog we got kayaks we... Well, so the dog is what got me into kayak so i got the dog and um this was also we we decided to you know we needed a place to escape you know the big city so we got a place up in wilkesboro and and mm. i got my first boat um you know uh, uh i won't call it a bass boat it's more of a fishing ski right uh, but anyway i had this boat in the driveway when um, um my dog was getting trained for for uh, invisible fence and the trainer just so happened to be shelly whistler who is a big member a longtime member of, of qc and she gets out of the car and she looks at my boat and she goes, Oh, you're one of those glitter rocket guys. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, us, uh, kayak people call you glitter rockets. And I'm like, what's the, what are you talking about? What's this kayak thing? So she started telling me all about it. And, uh, I kept in touch with her. I kept talking to her about it. And then she put me in touch with Vinny, started talking to him about it. And then, uh, you know, 2021, I decided why not? So I started doing it. Um, I've been fishing since I was six years old, but nothing serious, obviously. And um, so it was a whole new experience for me. And, and being an engineer, I like to, I like, I like to experiment and I wanted to learn. So I started doing research and everything. Oh yeah. And um, you know, so it's about just getting better, always getting better. And that first year, like I said, I think my first three or four tournaments I skunked. Um, and I was like, I just want to catch some fish. Right. And so by the end of the year, I think I finally got one limit that whole first season. And then the second season, my goal was to try to get as many limits as I could. Um, actually, I think my goal the second season was just not skunk. Um, and I think I did that. And then this season, my goal was to try to get a limit every every tournament. I think I've only, the one term, I got three fish, but everything else, I've got a limit so far. So it's uh, it's been fun. It's, uh, you know, like anything, the more you practice, the better you get. That's right. Time, time on the water, you hear it all the time in fishing. It really is one of those things that can make a difference in your growth. Taylor, Taylor, what's the story? I know you're over there pointing at somebody. So, you know, <laughs> look, do what you got to do. Tell them to be quiet. This is important. But I'm just kidding. What, what is your, what is, what got you into kayak fishing? How long have you been doing it? So back when I was at ECU pre-COVID, um, <clears throat> my senior year of college, uh, I needed something to do just to get outside, you know, I loved fishing, but you can only find so many bank fishing spots on Google maps. So I decided to uh, get a kayak. Yeah, legally. Um, so I, tr I decided to get a kayak cheapest one I could find at Academy. That was a fishing kayak, which was that $300 kayak, $50 with paddles. And I had a, I have a Mazda six car. So I put the, the pads on top, strapped it down, dude. I mean, I spend 30 minutes every time I go fishing, just getting it on and off. But I found everywhere I could, the Tar Rivers there at ECU, you know, 
unfortunately I started skipping some classes because I was fishing all the time hey, on my kayak. And, but I was catching about this many fish. It don't so, matter if you were fishing instead of being in class. And you know what? You still graduated. That's all that counts. Hey, I graduated with a, an exceptional GPA. We won't say what it was, though. Well, but you, um, you earned the right to skip some classes and to, you know, to say to hell with it. Right. And so then, like, after that, though, I, I stopped kayak fishing for a little while. You know, I got my internship, met my wife, doing some things. And then I got back into it when I came back home. You know, this is post-COVID. You know, then obviously kayaking becomes very important because you don't want to sit inside all the time. And at least on the water, nobody's bothering you. And so that's when I started trying out some of the local lakes. And like I said, I still wasn't catching many fish, but I was catching like one big one every time I would go. And so I knew that it was it was something that I could get into. But again, I have a few limitations. I'm paddling. You know, you guys talking about all your pedals and all the limitations you have with your pedal kayaks. It really makes me jealous for the <laughs> little bit that I have. Um, and so, like, again, it sounds like Tim, he got put in touch with Vinny. Myself as well got put in touch with Vinny. And so how did there, you get in touch with Vinny then? What, what was the paddling? I think, like, you know, I, I've played sports. I played ultimate frisbee in college. I played basketball. I was always into sports. And so. Bless you, child. Bless you. Good Lord. Get, get that woman some Allegra. He said, get, get that woman some Allegra. <laughs> it's okay. We forgive you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so anyways, uh, I started getting out on the water, and I was like, you know what? I need some money, and it looks like Queen City is actually a good way <laughs> to on. potentially Time make out. some <laughs> this man said. This man said, I got a $300 kayak, and I need some money. Let me go start tournament fishing. Probably hey. probably what 90% of us said at some point in our journey of, of going into tournament kayak fishing. And then hey. two years later, you're like, whew, boy, I'm so glad I started this tournament fishing so I could win all this money that I'm spending. Hey, but I will say I made $250 my very first tournament ever. So, like, I started out strong. And I would have placed better at Fontana, but it was 2 o'clock by the time I got to the last creek. And you can only catch so many fish in five minutes. So yeah, About one and a half. Yeah, and I did catch one. And then a spot of, you know, it's 15 foot of water clarity at Fontana and a school of largemouth <laughs> swim past me. And they're all 19, 20 inches. And I'm throwing my shaky head, like, about hitting them in the head, trying my best to snag them. But anyway, so yeah, I got into fishing, got in touch with Vinny, asked him a billion questions. I got my catch board, got my ID card, like all the things you got to do to get going. Started fishing a monthly, caught my first two fish the very first time I went out. My life jacket was unbuckled. He DQ'd my first two fish. They were both <laughs> they were both 21 inches each. So like, like I just, I started out and then I stopped. I was like, screw this. I'm not going to do it. But then Damn, he was mine. like. I know, right? He was like, dude, just get out there, try a tournament. Like, we got this coming up. And then he started making it realistic. He was like, dude, the TOC, like, you could be a charity case and fish everything that's left and still potentially get to the TOC. So with that being said, I said, okay, let's get down to business. I went to Wiley. I went to Fontana. Next is the charity just for fun. And then Murray and so on and so forth. So uh, Vinny's the man. He told me to talk up Queen City. And I'm going to talk up Vinny, too, because it seems like Vinny is a common theme. And he's the man. He's done a fantastic job of getting me set up. And I'm going to shout him out because I have 
bugged the crap out of him. His wife probably knows my name by now because he's like, sorry, honey, I got to talk to Taylor for a second and answer his billion questions. So. Except I, I him DQing you over an unbuttoned life jacket. I was, pretty, I I was like, dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, don't fuck around with Vinny on the rules now because there's, there's no gray nah. area in Vinny's rules. This black and that's how it should be, though. That's yeah, what that's, that's what gives true. you the reassurance that you're on a level playing field. That's Exactly. Couldn't have said it no better myself. Mm -hmm. All right, so so both of y'all have. Re what year was this when you actually got started in the fishing, the 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 daily tournaments, the the trail tournaments? What year was this, Taylor? <laughs> this is like a month ago. Okay, so twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three, yeah. Great. So we got two guys that are one brand spanking new, an infant, and then we got Tim that is in his terrible threes. <laughs> one of the one of the outlying themes that we hear from Queen City folks on the Queen City Chronicles and on the folks we've had from Queen City before is about how the the better anglers, the anglers that typically finish higher in the standings, how much they reach out to new people to help them and to guide them and be like, hey, come fishing with me and do this and that. We hear that so many times with Queen City. Have have did did y'all get that from those folks wanting to help and wanting to give information and wanting to help you get better at fishing. Did y'all run into that with folks in Queen City? Oh, definitely for me. I mean, it's um, the, the, the culture, the group. I mean, it's, it's amazing. The, I don't think I've met anybody that, that hasn't been uh, extremely generous with their time, their knowledge, you know, those people that'll, they'll tell you, everything they're throwing you know, it, it's amazing and you know one of the other stories about this this tournament that, that you know i wanted to share was um i started the at the ramp with um with eight people one of them was uh tory brenneman and ryan brenneman were there and um yeah so so they're there and, and they're getting all set up you know it's, it's pitch black and uh tory didn't have her light she i guess left her headlamp at home and, um, you know, I've known Tori for a couple of years and I think it was two years ago, we were out at Santee and it was 20 mile an hour winds. I could not get back to the dock. I mean, I was pedaling as hard as I could. I couldn't get there because every time I got close to reach out for the dock, I had to stop pedaling and I'd be get blown away. And, and she comes running from her car out to the dock and says, throw me your rope. And I'll never forget that. You know, she didn't know me from Adam and came out there, pulled me in. Um, and I found out she was friends with Shelly and I'm friends with Shelly. So I've kind of been hanging out with them. And, and, um, so here she is, she's without a light. And I was like, I got a spare headlamp. So I gave her the headlamp. Um, and it's just one of those things, you know, we're, we're kind of like all a big family, you know, we, we help each other out and, um, that's what I love about it. And, you know, Tori is the Bass and Brews librarian. If y'all didn't oh, yeah. know that she's, she's the one that has all the stats and the craziness that goes on. So she has got a notebook. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing she stole it from one of her little kids that she, she teaches that left it in the classroom and started filling in bass and brews in the back with stats and all this weird information. So, you know, Tori hooks it to wifey is our librarian. You know what? That's karma coming out to help you too. You know, you gave, gave a light, you kind of paid back some dues from I, help. I, here you are win a second. That's, I, you know, I, I hate saying that, that there's karma, but you know, I think that that played a role because. I think it put me in the right mindset the week before I, when I, I fished a tournament on Wiley with the foothills club 
and um, I was wasn't in the right mindset. I started the day, somebody followed me to my starting spot and then cut me off, and it just kind of you know ticked me off. And the rest of the day, I was angry and I didn't fish well. And you know, I think starting calm and and helping somebody out and having that good good happy feeling that just mm -hmm. it makes a difference, you know. Taylor, you've been fishing a few months now with Queen City. Have have you had folks that you've reached out to that have been helpful? Kind of guided Dude. you? Have you gotten to that point that you've got some friends and buddies that you've made that you've been able to rely on for help? Vinny is the man. I rely on him for, for everything, honestly, at this point. But like when the Fontana Lake event, I went to Dreamcatchers um with along with you know five other guys that showed up right before they closed, grabbing a few, you know, drop shot uh weights and a few things to finesse on Fontana. And I met three or four other guys there that were all fishing for Queen City. And, you know, we all ended up at the same exact ramp too. So we all have like minds, you know, we were all thinking about safety. You know, it's a, it's a two, you know, 400 foot deep lake in some areas. So we went to the shallowest part of the entire lake. Again, for me with only a paddle, that was like a given. Um, I was not about to commit to an hour paddle just to get to a creek. Um, and so like talking to these guys, you know, Hey, I did this, this, and this for three days pre-fishing and caught one fish. So they're, they're not afraid. Like Tim said, they're not afraid to say what they did and didn't do like at the, and this is what I've told Vinny as well. It seems like at the end of the day, we all just want to catch fish. And that's the whole reason we're here to begin with. And so to meet other people who all have that mindset and like the charity event that's coming up that Vinny's got going on. Like I am stoked for that because like everybody's fishing with the same thing. So this is a chance for everybody not to say, well, I did this and it didn't work. And it's just a chance for everybody to do the, to, to use what they've got and see who can truly outfish the other guy. All right. So every year Queen City does a charity event where everybody gets the same tackle, the same rod reels. A few years ago, it was like the the kitty reels. It was the Spider Man reels and stuff like that. And what is what the Queen City? When is it? When is the charity event coming up? And what are the tackle? And what what's the rigs and tackle you're yeah. going to be given to fish that event? So I don't know what it'll be this year, but last year, um, so it's the 19th, so two weeks from now. Um, yep. But last year uh, we got. Um, so basically biz baits and true south supplies the tackle they give you a couple spinner baits buzz bait or two um a bunch of soft plastics and got some um, uh got some yeah. so this year uh, we're getting this some additional year and a few hooks yeah so normally normally it's just the biz bait stuff this year there because i think people missed out on having you know the we never had flukes in the past so this year they're adding a couple but yeah so it's you know everybody starts with a couple hooks a couple bags of soft plastic, a couple jig heads. This and is what I'm most excited for. Because this year, we're getting spinners, we're getting shaky heads, we're getting jigs, we're getting Ned rigs. Nice. Like, we're getting, we're getting all things that everybody as a well-rounded fisherman could use. What, what um, but then, <clears throat> I believe you choose. It's, um, it's what we call the old Carolina class. So it's Norman Wiley and, and mountain Island are the three that we, okay. we can go to. So Tim and I may be going to Wiley again. <laughs> Look, if you dialed yeah. him in a few weeks ago, you know, that might, of course, a lot changes. That's going to be yeah. five weeks from that tournament. So 
You know, it's mean? still going to be as hot. Um, they the fish may have moved, but like the one I caught in the, the two I caught in the coves, I assume they're probably living somewhere near that cove. Um, but the main lake stuff that Tim hit, they were very likely moving. I would assume. I don't know though. Yeah, yeah. They I felt like they were transient fish that were you know just stopping at docks on their way somewhere. But yeah, I fished yeah. I fished Norman this last weekend and. Um, I did pretty well. I didn't catch, I caught a lot of good fish in the 15, 16 inch range, but nothing, you know, really big. So I I'm fished thinking, a charity. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I fished a charity boat tournament at Norman right before summer hit. And it seemed like the plague of the, I mean, there was 200 anglers there in, in co-angling boats. And it was like 14 to 16 inches was like, Every oh, yeah. single person was catching, which they go off of pounds, but that's about the size they were. I mean, we yep. caught an eight pound limit. I mean, that was pretty light, but the winner caught 17 pounds. So he knew where the honey holes were. So, yeah. you, know. you know, that's, that's Norman. Yeah. I haven't fished Norman, but having, having so many folks on from the Charlotte area that fish a lot of Norman, like you need to get those 15, 16 inches, and then you need to get one or two over 20. Yep. And if you yeah. can if you can knock out one or two over twenty, you're good. But man, finding those one or two 19, 20 inch spots on Norman, uh -huh. it it seems from what I've heard from talking and interviewing people, that's the that's the that's the key. That's what you got to yeah. either look into it or you got to know where they are. But you still, it's just like any other tournament. You have to get the limit, and when you get that limit, it opens up you to be able to go and try some stuff that you're not really comfortable with or to go some areas that some big fish might be to fish for those big fish. But if you don't get that limit, you're just trying to, you know, catch some damn fish that'll measure. Yeah. Two weeks ago, my tournament, I caught my limit pretty early and they were all dinks. They were 11 to 14 inches. And, but what it did was like, well, shit, I can leave this place. I'm gone. And so I went to the areas that produce bigger fish and I caught three. I needed, needed two more 17 inches, but I caught three. But I was able to go to those places to fish for those fish and not be, you know, kind of struggling to just say, damn, I need one more fish or two more fish or three more fish. But getting that limit, hey, that's, don't matter how small it is, that changes the game and your mentality and how you can fish the rest of the time. That's right. You know, and funny that's, that, and I think that's, go ahead, Tim. I was just, it's funny that, that tournament on Norman, I, I was catching, you know, 14, 15, 16 inch fish. I was like, you know what? I'm running out of time. I, Put on a 12 inch worm, threw it out there, and caught a 12 inch spot. So, <laughs> hey, like, hey. so let me ask you this: Are y'all are y'all um, are y'all going on to Tourney X and looking at at the the leaderboard a lot? Or are you just fishing? And when you get your limit, go go look. How do y'all how do y'all navigate the leaderboard when you're fishing in your tournaments? Yeah, I don't look at all. I, I I say this last term, it's probably the most I've ever looked just because I knew I was doing fairly well. Um, nor normally I don't, I don't like the pressure because, you know, I think knowing that other people are catching 20 inches and you're not kind of puts un unnecessary. It, I think it makes you change things too quick sometimes. And, and yeah, I think if you just relax and fish at what you know and not try to do what someone else is doing, I think that's what helps. I know there's people. I was say that there's people like Landon that probably look at it every five minutes and you know, he wants to know who's catching stuff and where they are and all that. So I, I just try not to worry about it. fish my thing. 
I have about this much room on my kayak. So the more I look at my phone, the more chance it has of going in the water. <laughs> so, you don't have I, I mean, it's tethered to me, but if I'm gone, the phone's gone. So, oh, okay. Well, at least you're not going to so, lose the phone. No, I'm not going to lose it. So I look at it once. You know, I've only fished two now. So my, my inexperience <laughs> is really only going over two tournaments. So, I have to take an intermission sometime throughout the day because if not, my butt is non-existent and I can't feel it at all because I can't stand. I can't move. I mean, I'm, right. I'm literally, yeah. I am the size of my kayak. So See, I had a, you know, before I got my Hobie, I had a sit, it was a sit on top Walmart kayak, an Avalon 120, a 12 foot. Actually, it's a really good river boat. It, it paddles, it's a paddle boat, not pedal, but it paddles straight. It's fast. But Dude, it, it, mine paddles no extremely fast. Yeah. But every time I had to go piss, and look, oh, in the dude. morning times, I get up, I drink a lot of water in the morning. I drink my cup of coffee. Like the first two or three hours I'm out on the water, I have to pee a lot. <laughs> before I got my Hobie, the greatest thing about my Hobie was I can stand up and pee in my, my drive hole. And, but with that other kayak, I either had to get on my knees and try to hang my little pecker <laughs> off the side and pee, which didn't oh, work dude. Or I had to go off to the bank every single time. I had to go to the bank and get off and do all that to help. That's I can't even get on my knees, dude. There's been so many times <laughs> where I'm like, I've leaned over the side like this in a little cove and just you need like, a pee bottle. You need a pee dude, bottle. I know, but but I took an intermission and I found some shallow water. I got off, and usually I have an intermission in the middle of the day. I, you know, sometime around, after a drought. You know, I hit a drought. I'm like, all right, something's got to change. At Fontana, I had to re-spool an entire reel, um, which I ended up catching a fish on after that. So it was worth it. You know, I had line with me. I needed it. I got tangled up. I, I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, but that intermission usually refocuses me if I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. You know, I get up. I stand up. I walk around again. My back, I feel like I'm 80 years old because I've been sitting for five hours, kayaking, you know, just back and forth, back trying to get from point a to point b um and again once i did that and i looked at the leaderboard at fontana and i was like okay i'm sitting in like eighth place because i've caught two decent sized fish but then after that i recognize that people are going to be one up in me so it's like either a i'm doing all right so i can keep grinding it out and just doing what i'm doing or b like i'm really struggling i need to get to a spot where i know there's fish and just fish it which for me, that limits me. And that happened at both tournaments. At Wiley, I got to that spot where I knew there'd be fish. Like Tim said, there were some docks in a little cove. And I knew I could get something in that cove. I didn't know what it would be, but I would get something. I hit that dock, got it off the jig. That was my fourth fish. Got me in seventh place. I was happy. At Fontana, I didn't get to that last spot until 30 minutes until we ended the tournament. I caught my one spot. It was big enough to put me up there. One more fish, and I was in the top, maybe top five. Because there was really low limits at Fontana. So the leaderboards help sometimes, but I try to stay away from them as much as I can. So I always think if I'm catching 20 inches, there's at least five other people catching 22 inches. That's always my mindset. I don't look at the yeah. leaderboard much. I, I usually, I'll enter in my fish and try not to look. But one yeah. of the things that I learned, and because I've, I've, I've only been fishing kayak tournaments for about three years now, but one thing I've learned from a couple people in our local clubs was they would look at the leaderboard to see what <clears throat> the folks were putting up because as you fish more of these tournaments and as you get to know guys better, you know you have an idea on what they're fishing, 
and where they're fishing, not specific spots, right? But like, oh man, Paul Paul's offshore. I'm see he's catching 18, 19 inches in the summer. He's offshore cranking or throwing a drop shot or something. And one of the things that I learned checking that leaderboard before it goes off is sometimes you can get an idea on what people are doing to catch fish and you're like, hey man, I need to go throw a shaky head or I need to go throw, uh, you know, something shallow and go run the banks. And, but I still, I still, I don't want it to get in my head. And when I'm, I try not to look, but it is, it can be a tool or it can be a detriment to what you're doing. So look, we're going to start wrapping this up. Did either of y'all have anything stupid, crazy, wild, out of the norm happen? You know, you didn't fall into water, sounds like, or anything like that. But did y'all have anything crazy that kind of happened during your pre-fishing, which you didn't pre-fish, Taylor? But you know what I'm saying. Anything wild or crazy <laughs> happened on tournament day that you're like, man, this is some bullshit. Well, I was in my pre-fish where that guy cut me off and pissed me off for the whole day. Um, you know, I, I'd say it seems like almost every tournament I've got some kind of story like that. This tournament, you know, it was it was karma. Everything went smooth. It was uh, – <laughs> Even even pulling out of the water, which at that ramp is really hairy because it's it's a zoo. Um, it just it just went well, you know. And just I don't know. Those days it was there probably never happened again, but man, it happened once. Well, for me, it was like I spent a week trying to figure out where I was going to fish and stressing because I was like, dude, I just I I want to get on the board. I want to I want to really try something. My first tournament, I want to come out with a bang. And I show up at South Point, and there's like 30 other guys there. So it's like out of all the places I could have chose, I chose the one that was clearly the hot topic for that tournament. Yeah. So that was cool for me because it showed that my decision-making was kind of already going in the right direction. And then also like knowing that I was the only one fishing a pop-ar instead of the whopper plopper or a buzzbait, which I could hear literally from every direction. Um, and I caught my – first big fish, which was one of the biggest fish I've ever caught, which was that 20.75 inch largemouth on that popper. And like, I was in three foot of water when I caught it, you know, in the summertime, that's rare. And so that just set the tone and got me excited for the whole season. So it's not really crazy per se, but it's definitely for me with it, my first time out, knowing that I got top seven and I could have got top three had I have landed that bigger fish at the end definitely showed me that like even though i'm one of the only ones with a paddle like i'm getting started in the right spot and when i do get pedals like everybody better watch out oh, all right you, you said it here first they better hey, he watch threw it, out. he's throwing down hey taylor all right one thing one thing that you took from this tournament that you're going to take with you for the rest of the tournaments you fish this year i really like what tim said about like fishing what you're comfortable with and not trying to fish 50 different things to find out your groove. Like I know I'm good with some top water. I've gotten better with shaky head. I've gotten better with drop shot instead of throwing some random swim bait or something, just because that's what everybody else is doing at a certain time during the day in certain conditions. Like what I'm good at throw it until I catch a fish. Cause I will catch a fish if I continue to fish it. Like I know it needs to be done. Like, especially if I know we're not talking about Fontana, but I learned an extreme amount at Fontana, a deeper lake, you know, and that wouldn't have happened had I not fished event seven. Event seven definitely set the tone for the rest of the season, good or bad. And so the learning experience for me is just like fish what you're comfortable with. And even I caught all four fish on one rod and I had six rods with me. So 
the same rod I caught topwater was also a jig rod. So it's like, and Vinny's told me this as well for Queen City guys. He's trying to introduce younger guys and guys who are afraid to, you know, thinking it's very overwhelming. It doesn't matter if you have one rod, one lure, and a $300 yak. That's a very low barrier of entry. You can still do something. Even if you're just going out for small bass to make 200 bucks, like you can do something. And that's what I learned. Like I'm just like all these other guys, even though I don't have a pimped out rig, like I can fish with one rod and one lure and still catch a limit as long as I keep that confidence. Mm -hmm. Tim, how about you, man? What's one thing you're going to take away from this tournament? You finished second, so you're shooting You're shooting for a first next. Are you in the AOI standings at all? Uh, yeah, like I'm the, fitting. That's two questions, but are you in the AOI? And also, what what's the one thing you learned that you can take yep. from this for the rest of the, the season? So, so that second place moved me up to eighth in the AOI, and uh, – like I said, my, my teammate is Landon. So I think he and I are sitting first on the team side. And the biggest thing I learned, like I said, is, is you know, having a teammate like, like Landon. He, he also just started three years ago. He and I were rookies the same year. That's how we, we hooked up and became teammates. Um, and he's kind of had the same trajectory, only a little faster. I think, you know, he and I skunked a lot that first season. Last season, we were just trying to catch limits. This year, you know, he, now that he's, in position he's like he's going for it and mm -hmm. um you know the, the thing that that dawned on him earlier this year was when he listens to his gut he does much better if he's yeah. trying to do what other people are doing he doesn't do well and mm -hmm. i was trying to be like him i was trying to fish his technique throw his wacky rig i can watch him catch you know 24 inch bass all the time and i can't do it so i i went back to what i'm comfortable with a shaky head and and it worked out so um yeah i'm gonna Probably throw a lot more shaky head and less wacky rig. <laughs> well, look, guys, I appreciate y'all coming on. This is great to recap. Queen City stopped seven. You know, we got a couple more tournaments. Y'all, I say we. I mean, I'm a part of Queen City. I'd like to fish when they're over in this area, and hopefully, hopefully soon, I can start sneaking out that way. But I appreciate y'all coming on, sharing sharing your tournament day and and <clears throat> everything that you learned, you know, the baits and all the stuff that you did for that. This is awesome. So I appreciate y'all coming on and sharing your story with us. And congratulations on your finishes. Second is is huge in Queen City. What were I? Don't, I I did not look at how many people there. I'm guessing it was somewhere around a hundred, give or take five or so. Ninety eight. I think we were like yeah. I think yeah, it was ninety four maybe somewhere in the nineties. Yeah. yeah. And then Taylor second time out in the tournament, Queen City, coming out and popping off a seventh. I mean, man, that's that that'll get you. That'll get you your mind right to be like, yeah. man, I actually can come out and compete. And that's one of the biggest things when you get new anglers into these clubs, you can get them out there and if they can catch a big fish and they can catch big fish or even catch a small fish and win some money, go out there and if they can learn that they can compete, that's a big thing that keep people coming. And yeah. to have these big numbers out there and to have these big pots, you gotta have people that wanna come out at some point, they got to be competitive in some way or they'll quit. So you got to have that stuff coming on. And again, that's another thing for Queen City that people helping the newer anglers that come out there, not necessarily young, but just newer kayak anglers that keeps folks, folks coming out. So well, look, any parting words or, or wisdoms that you want to leave any of the listeners with? Hey, you know, we both, Taylor and I both talked about Vinny. Um, 
you know, I think when my first season, I was texting Vinny the, the dumbest things. I think back in hindsight, and I'm like, you know yep. what? He, he probably has 500 guys doing this to him, and and he acts like you're the only person talking to him. And, you know, he he That's has facts. time for everybody, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't think we would this this group would be where it is without Vinny. So, um, you know, if you're looking for a, a club that's got some good people and a, a great leader and Queen City's place. Dude, I think it's such a level playing field. It's unreal. Like you look at, you know, I aspire one day to build a fish full time. Everybody does who fishes because they don't want to go to a full time job. They just want to fish. But like, obviously, where we're at now, being on a level playing field, we could go out to the next tournament. You could place in the top 10 in any of these tournaments. I think there's going to be those one or two guys that are always there. But other than that, like some people have bad days. Some people have good days. Like. that confidence is so fun it's exhilarating to know like i could show up and i could place and get money and i know like tim said like it that's what makes you feel comfortable to show up on a brand new body of water because you can at the same time you're learning and practicing you're also competing and i competed in college and this is the only level of competition i have right now and so to have a an avenue for competition b the potential to make money and c like we're fishing and we love to fish. There's nothing bad about this whatsoever. Taylor, I don't want to be a dream killer, but I am going to say this. on a Don't you dare. This don't week. you dare. <laughs> Kevin Van Dam considered the greatest tournament. He's retired now. Angler out there. Kevin Van Dam's total tournament winnings in 33 years of $7.1 million. That is insanely stupid. Stupid! How little bit of money that is. We're talking about as the guy that is considered the greatest tournament angler that we have ever seen only has a winnings. Now, this this is not including his endorsements and stuff, which he's made right, right. But just straight winnings of seven million dollars in thirty three years, the greatest tournament angler we've ever seen. Taylor, I don't want to be a dream killer, buddy, but man, you're going to win some money, but you're not, it's probably not going to be a profit. Just, just I would rather, <laughs> I would rather, I would rather be poor and on a kayak catching a 20 incher than rich and in a penthouse looking at other guys catching 20 inches. I'm just going to tell like you that, that right now. <laughs> I like that. Well, look, guys, I appreciate y'all coming on. This was great. This was fun. Always a great time hanging out with the Queen City folks and hearing about their their journey to tournament fishing and what they did and how they competed in a huge local club. Y'all hang out in the back when we get this in. We'll, we'll, we'll talk some in the, in the green room in the back. But look, y'all, thank you for listening to Bass and Brews. Again, yeah. it's your, your weekly distraction, but the Queen City Chronicles side. And we're glad that you're here. And if you are in the Carolina area, you have Queen City you can go holler at. You got CCKF and CKA over here in the Raleigh area. Queen City also has a South Carolina, Western North Carolina division. There's a bunch of trails in the Carolinas where you can go buy yourself a $300 kayak, take you two or three rods out there. You can fish, you can catch fish, and you might win a little bit of money. Appreciate y'all listening. Until next time, hell. Hey, oh.